Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? So I want to officially be the first person to say, you have survived 2022 snowpocalypse. Like all the 18 or 20 inches we were supposed to get and all that liar, liar, pants on fire, right? So no, but thanks for being here. Um, I want to do a little housekeeping before we get into the message. If you're uh, new here, I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor here. We've been in a series called Revive, has been mentioned several times. You'll see the, the graphic behind this. But um, the whole idea was not just to have Sunday mornings. It was to actually as a church body, a faith community, to be walking in the same direction and that we would op- uh, open up opportunities and experiences that we can actually have moments of prayer and we can have moments of worship. And so I'm going to tell you about one specific one. Um, on February 4th at 7 o'clock, it's a Friday night, we're going to have a night of worship. Uh, we're going to do a night of worship. There's going to be some uh, people praying. Some of our staff is going to pray. Uh, some of our, um, our elders are going to pray. And then I'm going to challenge us at the end just to take the revival outside these walls and out to the world we live in. But it's also going to be a time where we pray for one another. And so we're going to have a time of corporate prayer at the end of service where we're literally going to open up the altars and allow people to come down for prayer. It's something that we can't always do on a Sunday morning because outside of this, it's usually packed and every, every seat's taken. If we tried to do that, we would be here for four hours. But so we're going to provide a night. We're going to kind of estimate about an hour and five, or hour and 10 minutes. But if the Holy Spirit wants to do what Holy, we're going to let him do what he wants to do that night, right? Because we want to be revived in our soul. And I'm going to tell you about one other thing, and then I'll get to the message. February 11th, it's the following Friday, um, is a night that's real special around here. As a matter of fact, it's the, probably the, the, the most favorite thing that I do. We haven't been able to do it the way we normally do it, but we have, uh, are one of the two hosts uh, in Augusta of Night to Shine, which is Tim Tebow's foundation. It's where we get to honor our special guests, um, folks in our community, um, young men, young women, um, some older men, some older women that have uh, special needs. We get to honor them. And so... Uh, over two years, the first two years, we did a, a big prom and we danced and we all wore, wore tuxedos and it was a great time, but because of COVID. And I'll be honest with you, can I say this real quick before I'll, I'll tell you about the rest of this? I love Greg leading worship. Greg is our worship pastor down on our Sherwood campus and it's great to have him. We've had some circumstances over the last two days with uh, some people not getting uh, being sick and all that kind of jazz, but he stepped right in. But he said something during his prayer that really struck a chord with me, to be quite honest with you, because in my mind, the last two years has been struck. It, it's been marked by COVID. And, and he said something. He said, let us not live in a style like a life that we're marking, we're marked by COVID, that we're marked by what you're going to do. And that's really been the whole Revive series, that God, we would mark what's happening by something you're doing, by your word transitioning into our lives and changing us from the inside out. And so that's, I was going to say, you know, two years of COVID. But the last two years, we've done a parade. And so we did, I called it a drive-by. It's actually a drive-through. I didn't know that there were two different things. And so the drive-by is something totally different, you know. Who'd have thunk it? And so, but we'll do it February 11th right here. We would love for you to volunteer. It's an easy thing to get involved in. You'll see it on all our social media. So last week we talked about this concept and I asked lots of questions. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of start today off by asking a couple more questions. And I don't want you to raise your hand, and, but I want you to think through them in your own mind. How many times in your life have you ever met anybody, you knew somebody, it just seemed that that every one of their prayers got answered? Now, it may have taken a while, it may have taken months or weeks, you know, or years sometimes, but you're like, oh man, another answered prayer. And there's a part of you that's almost jealous because of that, because you're like, why is their prayers being answered? And then the other question is, have you ever felt like 
your prayers are not getting answered. Like you pray a prayer for a a healing or you pray a prayer for, you know, something to happen. And it's just not like for whatever reason, God doesn't answer that prayer. And I've always asked myself, and it's been something I've studied. I've read a lot of books about it. I've read, uh, read a lot of stuff on prayer and how to have great prayer life and all that. But why does God answer some prayers and not other prayers? And there's so many, there's a gazillion different reasons that we don't have a time. You know, in 30 minutes, we just couldn't address. But there's one I do want to address today that I think will take our prayer life to a different level. That when we ask for a revival, God will bring revival to our lives. And it actually starts in a form of a story. Uh, Many of you guys know who Tony Evans is. And if you don't, he's a very famous preacher. He does all kinds of crusades. Uh, he's an author. He's amazing. His daughter is uh, another great conference. I mean, just amazing. Um, I think they're out of Dallas, Texas, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. But he was doing a crusade up in South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium. And 60 or 70,000 people were on task to come to this thing. But at the same time that it was supposed to start, there was this tremendous storm that was going to come through the uh, Columbia at the same exact time. And it was going to dump inch, uh, you know, inches of rain on there. And there were thunder and lightning and possible tornadoes. So the threat was that they were going to cancel this crusade. So they got all these preachers together, people of faith, right? And I do that in quotations like, well, preachers are supposed to be people of faith, but people of faith, they get them together and they're praying prayers. And Tony says that they were praying really safe prayers. Like, God, if it's your will, you know, like, like let the storm go around or, or hold the storm off. And I remember, how many people were with us uh, probably 2015, 2016 when we were at Lady A for Easter services? Anybody? So I remember, I remember watching the screen the night before, Sunday, we had run it out. We had rented out the, um, the uh, Lady A, and we were going to have this, and we ended up having 4,000, over 4,000 people show up that day, uh, community-wide Easter service. But, but the night before, they're going 100% rain, uh, 100% chance of rain, three inches of rain, and we're watching, and there's this huge band. And literally, while we were getting ready to start, the sun popped out, and everything stretched. And the minute we got done cleaning the stage off, it poured down rain. Like, so this moment's happening at this crusade, and there's, they're praying these safe prayers. And even Tony says, hey, do you think we should cancel it and reschedule it because we don't want to waste lots of money? And so all these safe prayers are happening. And there's one lady named Linda. She prays this prayer. And I'm going to literally read it to because it's one of those things that blew me out of the water when I was reading it. This is what she prays. Lord, thousands have gathered to hear the good news about your son. It would be a shame on your name for us to have all these unbelievers go without hearing the gospel when you control the weather. Oh my goodness, she just called God out. She just called God out. She's like, come on, this is like, and then she goes like this, and you don't stop it. And she says, in the name of Jesus Christ, address this storm. So it's about seven o'clock and they're getting ready to start. And the lady's sitting next uh, to another man, a preacher, a very real famous preacher. And she, she, she's sitting there and and the preacher hands her an umbrella. She goes, I'm not going to need one of those. (laughs) Like, and I'm thinking to myself, and so it's seven o'clock. The skies part and the storm literally goes completely around Williams Bryce Stadium. Why did God answer that prayer? Why did God answer that prayer and not somebody else's prayer to heal mama or restore a marriage? Now, I can't answer all those questions, but I can answer it for this one. Because she prayed an audacious, relentless, shameless prayer. And in our lives, I think our prayers have gotten too safe. And until we're relentless and shameless and and we're audacious in our prayers and we're we're bigger, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, until we get to that point, God will answer little prayers or not answer them at all. And so in our lives, I'm looking over and over in the Bible, and there's actually two places that, that I think it gives the answer why some prayers get answered and others don't. Now, maybe it's a little basic for most people, 
But in Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 15, there's two stories. Matthew chapter 8 is the centurion that comes to Jesus on behalf of one of his servant's sons who ended up dying. And in Matthew chapter 15, it's the, it's the Canaanite woman that comes and she's on behalf of her daughter, which is demon-possessed. And both of them in their lines, like depending on the version of the Bible you read, there's this phrase that just, it makes me scratch my head. It says, they have great faith or great faith. And I'm going, that's the answer to revival. If we want to have revival, long-lasting change, something that lasts a lifetime, we have to develop a strategy in our lives to have this thing called great faith. But how do you do that? Well, I think today we're going to look at this story in Matthew chapter 15. Now, I want you to write down Matthew 8 and Matthew chapter 15 because that's going to be part of our challenge at the end of the service. And I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of express in a minute some similarities between the two stories. But let me give you the background for Matthew 15. So after Jesus confronts the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers from Jerusalem, he, he kind of leaves. He, he records that he withdrew, the scripture says, to a region of Tyre and Sidon, which is actually, it's modern day Lebanon and Syria. And so you can almost, and it's, you can almost kind of read into this, like he's leaving Israel, he's leaving the Jewish people and he's going to the Gentiles. Why would you ever do that? And so he leaves them and he gets there. When he gets them, a Canaanite woman, and I love the word Canaanite because it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like, you know, he's an Evans person. You know, he doesn't, he's not from the Valley. You've heard that before. He's not from LA, Lower Augusta. Canaanite was a derogatory. Y'all didn't know that LA stand for Lower Augusta? Oh, some of you thought it was Los Angeles. Not from if you're around here. And y'all know what NFL is too, right? Not National Football League. It's not from Lincoln. So, so she's a Canaanite woman. That's how, that's how the writer Matthew describes her. And, 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 and and it's like saying that she is not one of us. She's actually a Gentile. And it's actually, it's actually putting a bigger chasm between the two. And so she asks, she walks up to Jesus and she's relentless in her pursuit of Jesus. And, and it was interesting because he says, would you have mercy on my daughter? And he treats, Jesus treats this Canaanite woman like only this moment, like this only one time, like every other Gentile that came he healed or every other person that came he healed. But for, for some strange reason, he treated this one different than everyone else. At first... If you read it and you don't kind of read into it, it looks like he's ignoring her. But she kept asking. The disciples begged that she would leave. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And the woman kept asking for the daughter to be healed. And then Jesus does something on the surface that you scratch your head and you go, that's not the Jesus that I know. Listen to what it says in verse 25 of the story. And then we're going to go back and kind of recount the whole story. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's getting ready to call her a dog. Like, can you imagine Jesus, the savior of the world, making this kind of assumption or making this kind of accusation or illustration? He said this, she said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs and fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, a woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Now, how do we have that kind of faith? Because we know, and we're going to read it, but, but it be done for you as, as you desire. And it says, and her daughter was healed instantly. Because of that great faith, that daughter was healed. How do I, how do I have that happen in my life? How do I have great prayers? Or maybe not so great prayers. How do I have those prayers answered? Develop a lifestyle of great faith. And when you read these two stories, if you look at the both instances, Matthew 8 and Matthew 15, there's some common threads through all of them. I think the very first thing that you gotta understand is both asked in spite of the fact that they had no right to ask. They were both people. They were both Gentiles. They weren't part of the Israelites. They weren't Jewish descendants. They weren't scribes. They weren't Pharisees. They had no religious right but they approached Jesus anyway. And then each of them cost, 
you know, cross this huge cultural boundary. And a lot of us, we read scripture and we go, oh, that wasn't that big. It's not like a Presbyterian eating dinner with a Baptist. This is like a person from, from Syria or from Iraq or Iran having a conversation and having a meal with somebody from Israel, a believer and a Muslim coming together. It is night and day. They, they fight constantly. And so they cross these huge cultural barriers. Both, and I love this, both were motiva- motivated by compassion for someone else. Do you know what amazes me? Sometimes I think the most, you know, the, the most spiritual I am is when I'm praying for myself. But in these two instances, we realize that it's them praying for someone else that God demonstrates great faith or reacts to their great faith. And so many times it's because it's a shamelessness or a love or a compassion for somebody else, not a selfishness into God, gimme, 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 gimme. It's God, give them, give them, give them. Man, how could that change our prayer lives? And and the last kind of just a, a parallel, something I see in the story is both had a reasonable, reasonable basis for their faith. You know why? They watched Jesus heal other people. And they thought, listen, if Jesus healed them, he's going to heal me. So this, this relentless, this shameless, this all day, like just walked up to Jesus saying, we expect you, you, we expect you to move in our lives and pray for us. But I think there's three things that if we really kind of install and instill these things in our lives, we'll change our prayers. And the very first thing is this, keep asking. That's what she did. Keep asking, even when it seems like God is silent. How many times in your life? Have you prayed a prayer and you didn't feel like God was listening? How many times did you pray for a healing or a restoration of a family or God to move in a certain way? I shared a story with the first service. It was for me two years ago when we went over down to, down to Sherwood and I feel like God's speaking to me about that, that you are giving us that church. And I remember the first vote came back. It came back one short of a majority of people. That means that we were not getting it. And we came, in, we came in the office and we had prayer the next day on that Monday. And I remember saying to Caleb Meeks, I said, I don't feel like God has stopped this process yet. And until God tells us to stop, we're gonna keep moving forward. But he wasn't speaking. It was just something he planted in our spirits that we were gonna continue to go forward. Yeah. Three months, four months, five months later, guess what happened? God gave us, God gave us a million and a half dollar building put it in our lap and said, I want you to now minister down to another section of town. That's God's stuff. But if we would have done it just on base what we hear, we would have stopped. Sometimes God doesn't speak and we still have to move forward. Great faith and persistent faith are synonymous. And persistent faith is demonstrated by persistent asking. Somebody should have said amen. I'm gonna say it again and you're gonna say amen. Great faith and persistent faith are synonymous. Persistent faith is demonstrated by persistent asking. A couple years ago, I did a message series. I called, it was called this, How Big Is Your Ask? Let that resonate for a second. You know how many times we slipped up in that series? None. Listen to what happens here in Matthew 15. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is, severe, is severely oppressed by the demon. But he did not answer her a word. How many people have ever felt like that? Man, I bet you that's how they felt in Mark 4 when they were on the boat and the storm came. I mean, Peter walks up to him. We think it's Peter walks up and says, don't you even care if we drown? Like you haven't said a word, God. You, you've been reclining on a cushion in the bottom of the boat. Would you come up here and take care of this storm? Jesus didn't even address Peter. He just walked up. I don't know how he did it, but all of a sudden the, cor- the, the, the storm was just, just calm. 
In our lives, there's times we feel like that, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. Can you believe that? That the savior of the world, it appears, ignored this woman. She came with a request to be healed, but it appeared at least momentarily, and that's the key word, that he wasn't gonna do it. He just pushed pause for a couple seconds. He was about to perform a miracle. There in, there, 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 there's times in my life, there's times in your life that you will pray for things and it seems like God doesn't hear you. I, I love what Luke chapter 11, verse nine says. He says, I tell you to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. You see that? Is that shameless? You got, it's, it's this not stopping idea. I, I've learned a lot from, from, from this right here. Anybody know what this is right here? This is a Frisbee. Wasn't, wasn't rocket science. It was a Frisbee. I'm not gonna, like, it, it, and this is my dog's Frisbee. And my dog has taught me, because of this Frisbee, what relentless means. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of my dog. This is my dog, Luna. And this is, she's got, she has two of them because we have a tendency to throw them up in the tree. And then I have to wait until I get home. Gina throws them up in the tree, and I've got to go get them. So there, there's this one here. And then there, this is her pirate. She's a pirate right there. Arr! <laughs> Arr! No, um, it's just funny. I don't care who you are. So what happens at our house is throughout the course of the day, every day, she will go out to go to the bathroom and she will run around the house outside and inside. We'll leave the door open. She'll run until she comes back with this. And when she comes back with this, the expectation is that somebody's going to throw it for her. But there's times where we're working. I, I, I work in my garage a lot. I'm, I'm out there. And this is what will happen. And this is not an exaggeration. My wife was in first service. You were sitting next to her. This is what happens. She will, she'll, uh, not with her paw, but with her mouth. If we get her to do it with the paw, we're making millions. And she'll, and she'll, and then she'll grab it again. And she'll do it four or five times. She's gotten so bad and so relentless with it that the other day, Gina said that the FedEx guy came pulling up and she was outside and the dog took it to the FedEx guy and threw it down like, okay, what are you going to do now? <laughs> like, what, 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 what's going on? And, and you know what I've learned? That's how God wants us. Yeah. That's what asking is. Yeah. That's what seeking is. That's what knocking is. And so many times what we do, we ask and that's it. We stop right there and we go, God, if you want to do this, well, he didn't, he didn't answer me yet. So I, no, keep bringing the Frisbee back to him. Watch what he does when we bring the Frisbee back. And some of those, I am convinced of this. And I, I, I understand the scripture, and I, I'm going to read scripture in a second, but I understand sometimes our motives are wrong, and that's why God doesn't ask or, 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 or give us our ask. But I think it's, I don't know if this is a word, I think it's our asklessness that leads God not to answer our prayers. I think it's when we don't bring the request to him. I think it's when we don't. And I, I've learned this. If you never ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. Now that sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? I didn't get, it's, it's, not a, it's a spiritual principle, but I was listening to a TED talk this week and it was a sales guy and he was talking to a group of salesmen from some company. And so he's doing this TED talk and he's having this conversation and he makes that comment. If you never ask, the answer will always be no. And I'm going, yeah, you're right. If you don't ask for the sale, you'll never get a sale. If you don't ask for the sale, if you don't try to close it, you know, how big is your ask? That's actually where it comes from. But how about with God? How many times do we not ask God and he's just waiting there? And almost like me with my dog, like he's just like, enough times, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna throw it. And you know what I'm gonna do again? I'm gonna throw it. 
And I, there's been days where my arm feels like it's gonna throw, you know, just fall off because I'm throwing it so much, but she's relentless with that. What would happen in our lives if we were like that? In James chapter four says this, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. That's the bad motives. You covet and contain, uh, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then it says, you don't have because you ask not. So we gotta check, is there our motives or is it the fact that we're not even asking? And I bet you the majority of time, it's because we're not asking. It's because we haven't even asked God to do anything in our lives. When you ask God, when you, when you pray, when you're asking God stuff, you have to ask yourself some questions. How long am I willing to pray for this thing? How long am I willing to pray for this thing? Like just a day, seven days? I mean, Rick Warren talks about the fact that he's prayed the same prayer for 40 years. I, sh I shared several years ago that I've been praying the same prayer for 30 years. And, and, and it's a simple prayer, and, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of it. I battle anxiety, and, and it's bad, and it keeps me awake at night. And there's, there's nights I just shake. I mean, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I read script. I do all the, don't, and don't point. I, I'm doing what God tells me to do, you know. I understand what fear, but there's times I've been praying that God would deliver me from fear and anxiety for 30, and guess what? He hasn't done it. What I have realized, though, in this is where my source of strength is. And then when I try to put it in myself, or I try to put it in this, if you're on medic medication, God bless you. But when I've tried to do that, it's led me down a different road. And so it's one of those deals is when I put my trust in God. So it's actually been a teaching kind of tool that God's used. But how long am I willing to pray for this? Hey, how about this? How many times am I willing to ask for it? Yeah. Anybody have kids? You have kids? How about that stupid cookie they ask you for 4,000 times? And what do you finally end up doing? No, you don't. <laughs> I'm kidding, right? No. How about I'm willing? She said, no, no. Am I willing to keep asking even if the answer doesn't come easy? How about that? And then ask this question when you're praying. There's no answer. How will this situation build my spiritual life? See, Here's, here's a lesson that I've learned. Prayers only work when it's your only solution. You hear me on this? See, if we have four or five or six other options, I don't think prayer works. She was desperate. The lady was desperate. She had to have Jesus move. If Jesus didn't move, she didn't have option B. And in our lives, I think our prayers aren't desperate enough because we have other options. We'll try this, we'll try this, we'll try this. That needs to be, that prayer, it needs to be so desperate that, that that's our only option. If God doesn't answer it, it's not gonna be answered. Can I throw something else out? Some of us think that God's delays are God's denials, and that's not the case at all. Yeah. You know, I think God answers prayer three ways. I think the first way, and you've heard me say this before. I think God answers prayers a lot of times with no. Now, none of us wanna talk about that because we don't like that. We like the God that gives everything. That's the hardest lesson to teach our children yeah. is that God sometimes answers. No, I don't want to quote Garth Brooks, but you know the story. Thank God that he didn't marry the one that was in the 17-year-old, you know, what was the name of that song? You're unanswered. unanswered. <laughs> Should have sang it today. <laughs> right? So sometimes God says no. You know what else? Sometimes God says slow. You're, you're, you're not ready for it yet. You, if I was to pour out my blessings, you would get a big head. If I was to do all that I need to do in you, if I just gave it to you right now, you'd never be able to contain all that stuff. And you would get into you really fast and not into me. And you would get the glory and I wouldn't get the glory. 
So sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a slow, right? And then there's other times where it's a go. Sometimes God just says, you know, I'm going to pour my blessing. I'm going to give you this answer. And you know what happens a lot of times? And this is what I've noticed in my own life. God will give me a go. And you know what happens? I stop. Well, God, I didn't really think you were going to send me to Ethiopia. You pray the prayer, you better be ready for the answer. God, send me anywhere you want. Okay, I want you to go over there. No, I didn't mean over there. Right? I'm going to go to Evans, different A. Right? Maybe there's a fourth one, too. I think there's... I think there is a fourth one. I think the fourth one is, whoa, where God goes, I'm going to blow you out of the water and you're going to know this is me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to arrange every detail of your life and you have nothing to do with it. And you go, you, you remind the scripture that he did exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. And you just go, whoa, my goodness, that was the most amazing miracle that I've ever seen. But you have to be willing to ask to ask and you have to be persistent. The second thing is amazing to me. And this is one of the things that she did that I absolutely just like, I, I'm overwhelmed with just the courage that she had. And she kept asking even when others tried to discourage her. Yeah. And in our lives, so many times, you know what happens? Others discourage and we stop praying that prayer. We, we, almost, we almost look at them as the source of all knowledge. I remember when we started journeying back in, uh, for those who don't know, we started journeying back in 2003 I was on staff at a great church in a city called Stevens Creek and went to Marty Baker, the senior pastor there, and just said, God's given me a dream to start a church. And he goes, you know something, I've, I've known it was going to happen. So we went, but it was amazing to me how many people said, why? Like, why? And, I, and now I think church planting in the last couple of years has changed and it's dramatically different than when, and God had his hand on us and God, I mean, immediately started to bless us. And I, you know, it was just him, it was him doing the stuff. But it was one of those deals where I remember, I remember a guy from the church, great guy, good friend of mine still, he said, like, why do we need another church? Why would you ever want to leave this great, this great church and go start another church? I was like, God told me to? I'm like, that's a pretty good reason, right? And then all of a sudden, you'd hear from the, the fray. I felt like Moses. You remember when Moses was taking the people out of, out of Israel and he was taking them into the promised land and there was all the fray that we're talking like, we got to be, we're about, it was better back there. Let's go back there. Come on back there. And if they would have listened to the fray, they would have gone back to Egypt, right? Well, sometimes this happens in our lives. And that's what happens to the Canaanite woman right here. Listen to what it said in verse 23. But he did not answer her word. And the disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. Literally what she, like, we don't want the bad publicity. Like, get rid of her. If you heal her, we're going to have to heal every Gentile in the city. Get rid of her right now. Yeah, just, just do away with her. But she was so relentless. She, was, she wasn't going to let anybody stop. I, I love this. Notice the disciples. The proper response would have been for the disciples at that point to intercede for her. But instead, they tried to get rid of her. The, the proper response of church people would be when, God, when God's calling somebody and doing something, the, the proper response is let's intercede for that person. But so many times... We try to push them away. Can, could you imagine? Just put yourself in her shoes for a second. Could you imagine how this woman felt? Jesus was there, and Jesus' closest buddies, the ones that were supposed to be on his team, are telling her to go away. That must have been demoralizing. Verse 25, and I love her response. And maybe this should be our response. But she came and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Wow. That's where I fail right there, by the way. That's, that's where I fail, fail all the time. I, 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 I don't go to the source of my strength. 
I don't, I, I don't kneel at his feet and go, I can't make it another day without you. I try to do it all on my own for days and days and days. And then there's that moment where the only option, I, I, I kneel. Well, what would happen in my life if I kneeled down beforehand? If I didn't listen to the people around me, if I didn't listen to the fray, how would that change the events of my life? Here's what it teaches me with this Canaanite woman. She kept her focus relentlessly on Jesus. Almost to the point she had blinders like a horse would have blinders. She didn't care what was going on in the peripheral, that she was going to follow after Jesus. Here's what you have to do. If you want to have great faith, what the Canaanite woman teaches, if you want to have great faith, even when people are telling you you're wasting your time, you've got to keep moving forward. You know, you, you know people are going to tell you you're wasting your time, right? Like, why do we need another? Why, why, why do you want to do that? That's ridiculous that you're doing it. How could you even imagine doing that? And then people are going to say, and this is where it really gets tricky, stop wasting my time. Stop, stop wasting my time. You're wasting my time by even sharing these dreams. They're, they're just dreams. You're just a dreamer. I, I sat with a, 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 several couples over the last years, but specifically three or four couples in the last couple months and, and, and several of them have shared some dreams about businesses and business models and, uh, you know, ministries and all that. And I remember one of them saying, like, you think we're crazy? And I'm like, no, I think you're crazy if you don't do it. Far be it for me to say what God is speaking to you. Yeah. Like, like, listen, if it lines up with God's word and it lines up with your accountability partners and they're saying yes and amen, you better do it. It's crazy if you don't do it. Yeah. You don't, if you don't start that business or you don't go down that road with that relationship or you don't develop that ministry model, whatever it is, if you don't do it, you're crazy. Yeah. Let me give you the third thing. We'll close in a minute. And this is where I fall. So many times in my life, I feel like this right here. She kept asking even when she didn't feel worthy. She had no right to go before Jesus and ask for anything. She didn't do it arrogantly. She just did it with a humble heart. And Jesus even makes a couple statements. And if you read them, it, starts, it almost sounds condescending and, a, be honest, downright rude. Verse 24, he says, he answered, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Pause for a second. What he's saying there is, I'm only here for the Jewish people. I'm the Jewish Messiah. I, I, I was sent... And I was talked about for thousands and thousands of years. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He literally just called her a dog. He literally just said, listen, you're not a child of Israelites. You're not a child. You're a Gentile. And you don't deserve any of the stuff, any of the food, any of the spiritual blessings that the nation of Israel, she just sat there for a second. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine how she felt for that moment? That's interesting here. He wasn't saying that to drive her away. He was saying that to draw her in. Mm. And sometimes when there's just a little bit of opposition, we walk the other direction. Yeah. You, you, you want to know what's in this side? This is society's biggest problem. There's a lot of quit in us. Yeah. There's just a lot of quit in us. We quit our jobs like that. We quit our marriages like that. We quit on our kids like that. We quit, I, I, just, you can go right down the list. We're quitters. And, and Jesus was checking her out going, listen, I'm gonna give you some of the parameters here. And she goes, I don't care about parameters. I care about what you're gonna do because I believe you spoke to my life and you spoke to me about the healing that you're gonna bring. You can say whatever you wanna say. But, and then she says this, yes, Lord, but 
I love this. Yet, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Just give me a crumb. That's all I want. Just give me a crumb. I don't need anything off the table. I don't need, I don't need the best stuff. I don't need what's given to the children of Israel. You just give me the scraps that the dog will eat, and I know that that'll be enough for me. How about you? Is the crumb off the Father's table enough? And you're going, I need a big blessing. I need a big healing. I need to get, no. Could you imagine what a crumb in your marriage would do? Just a little small crumb, how that can impact your marriage. Just a little small divine appointment with God. How would that impact everything you do? How about your kids? Just a crumb. Just a crumb. If your, if your kids just got a crumb of what God was doing in the world and doing them and wanted to do through them, how would that change their lives? How about if you're a business owner? How about if it's just a crumb that the Holy Spirit just deposited? You just grabbed a little bit off the ground. You just grabbed. It's like you ever been to a really fancy restaurant and they bring that guy out and he's got that spatula thing? It's like a, it's like a, a, a mudder, like, you know, like a sheetrock mud thing. And and you know what she's saying? Hey, just dump that on the ground. I'll take that. Mm. Right there, th- that remnant right there, that remnant's going to change my life. I- I'm living proof of this, y'all. All my life, I've been just wanting a crumb off the master's table. And I've watched God move and move and move and move. Yes, Lord. Even the dogs. Even the dogs. You want to talk about absolute humility? Man, that's missing in the world we live in. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall. Her answer demonstrates a complete absence of pride. Maybe that's the answer to all of this. How we go to God. Because I'm going to be honest, there's times I go to God And I almost have an attitude like, I deserve your blessings. I I, I just, God, 30 years ago, I left a great job to start a church. I had a re, I mean, we had to uproot everything. My kids' children's ministry, like, you guys are blessed. You have an amazing children's ministry over there. My kids' children's ministry was in a room this big. Like it was, I'm not exaggerating. It was from that to that right there. That's how big our children. And then we took our kids for uh, for two years or a year and a half in a racquetball court. That's where we had children's ministry. God, you, you like all the things I've given up for you, and you're not going to answer my prayer. Instead of, God, I get to do all these things for you. Could you somehow or another find in your divine mercy? to bless this humble servant. God, and if I just get a scrap, just a crumb, just a crumb, all I need is a crumb, God. If you could just leave, it would change my life forever. Verse 28. It says, then Jesus answered, oh woman, love this. This is what I want to be said about me. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Instantly. See, she didn't have to wait very long when she had the right attitude. Even when he wasn't speaking, she was still listening. She was attentive. She was moving down that road. 
I, I don't know what challenges you brought here today. I really don't. Will quoted the scripture that's kind of the baseline for everything we're doing over these next, this next year. Psalms 119.25. This is where a lot of us feel. We, we feel like, you know, I don't, your challenge, I lie in the dust. Whatever it is, I lie in the dust. Re- revive me by your word. I, I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decree. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. And verse 28 just gets me. I weep with sorrow. That's where so many of us are at times. Encourage me by your word. That's that's why we're doing these challenges at the end of every service, to dive into word and allow the word to change our lives from the inside out. I've already said it. What we're going to do the challenge this week is, um, if you want to write this down, Matthew chapter 8, 5, verse 13, and Matthew 15, which we just did, 21 to 28. But while you're reading through these, I want you to ask God three questions in your prayer time. The first question is this, and be honest with yourself. God, will, will I keep praying? Ask yourself, will I keep praying? If God seems silent, am I willing to keep asking anyway? Asking for whatever he needs to change in our lives, our marriage, our relationships, whatever it is. And then who will I put my trust in? A friend of mine, actually one of my mentors, always and constantly tells me, you're only as good as your top five, the, the five people around you. Well, if Jesus isn't number one in that top five, you're only as good as that. And Jesus needs to be the first person. So who are you putting your trust in? And then have a couple people around you, three or four people that you can uh, pray with and walk through and throw things off of. But who are you going to put your trust in? The third thing is this, what areas do I need to see God is more than enough? I think one of the things that I've learned to do over the years is write my prayers down. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. This week, write your prayers out. Write your ask out. And keep, 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 keep tabs of, God, this is what I'm praying for. And I would never scratch one off because you may have to go back to it a year or two, three years from now. I have a whole list of, in my journal. I have a whole list of things that I've been praying for. And occasionally I go back, I go, well, God answered that one in that way at that time, but it's not completely answered. And so I'll rewrite that prayer. So do that. I said, I don't know what challenges you're going through. I'm going to do something. And I believe God knew you were going to be here. I know this sounds cliche. I knew that God was going to, and, I, and, and God knew that we were going to have a snowpocalypse and that our crowd was going to be a little light. And I think it's so we can do what we're going to do right now. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand up with me. In first service, I was blown away by how God responded or how God, uh, how people responded to God. Would you bow your head for a second? Just shut your eyes. I don't know what you've, you've come here with. I, I don't know what that prayer is that you've been praying that you feel like God's silent. But are you willing to keep that thing in front of God? Are you willing to keep asking? How, how big, how long is your ask? How, how much are you going to ask until it actually happens? And maybe some things that God spoke to you that you've listened to the wrong people. And it's time today to maybe listen to the right people. It's time to listen to God. I don't know what that thing is for you. I don't know what it looks like. But I feel like a response on our part, a bold response, just like the Canaanite woman, she, she came to Jesus and knelt down. She, 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 she said, you know what? You, you are, you're my only, you're, this is it. I have, no other, I have no other options. In first service, we had 
married couples coming down because they needed a crumb from the master in their marriage. There was moms and dads coming down and, and for their kids, that they needed a crumb for their children or their, or their occupation or, or, or their ministry or whatever's going on in their lives. So the question is in this moment right here, how many of us are willing? We'll give adequate time. If you're upstairs, we'll let you get down. If you're in Sherwood, you can walk up front. Pastor Keith and some of the elders are gonna be down front. If you're online, we have a great opportunity for you. You can go to another chat room and we'll pray for you. There's actually people, chat hosts right now that are wanting to pray with you. But if you're here on this location, whether it's in this room, it's in the atrium, I'm gonna ask you to do something bold today. I don't know what the ask looks like, but I, I'm gonna ask you to take a bold step and it's to step out from where you're sitting with nobody looking at you and come down front. And I personally, with some of our staff, wants to pray for you. So if that's you today, I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. We're gonna just take a second. I'm not gonna force people to do this, but I know there's people that need to step out. There, there needs to be a moment where they step out for their marriages. They need to step out for their occupations, for their kids. Awesome. This year is not going to be marked by COVID or defeats or what happened the last two years. This year is going to be marked by what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The revival that's taking place personally that will flood into corporately, that will flood into our community. I'm going to give it a few more minutes. There's still people stepping out. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I'm just going to pray over you. We're going to, we're going to literally, we're going to pray over you. This is where the church comes into play. We can't all come up front. That's one of the reasons we can't do this. Could you imagine trying to do this with 600 people? But what we can do is we can participate in prayer. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take your hand and just reach out. If you believe that prayer works, that it still works, you've seen it work, I want you to reach out toward these people. I'm going to pray a prayer. It's not the only prayer. It's not your prayer. This is my prayer. So be praying your prayer. Be asking God to do what he needs to do in your life. Even if you're not up here, God, what do you need to do in my life? How do, how do I need to respond to this? God, I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely get that. And there's so many people that feel the same way. But this is how I feel right now. Sometimes I feel like I have no idea where I'm going. Sometimes I can barely see the road ahead. Sometimes I have no idea where it ends. Sometimes I don't know what my wishes or my desires or my prayers are. Sometimes, at times, I think I'm following your will. But I also realize it doesn't always mean that I actually am. But I believe this with everything that's in me. That my desire, that our desire to please you does in fact 
please you. Oh, I need to hear that again. God, I believe that my desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope, I hope I have the desire in all that I'm doing. I I hope, God, I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, I know that if we do this, you will take us down the right road. Though I may know nothing about it, I'm gonna trust you. I I don't know the outcome, I'm gonna trust you. Even when I feel like I'm walking in fear, I'm gonna realize that you defeated fear already, already. For you are with me, God, and you will never, ever leave me and never forsake me. God, I pray for every need. I can't call them out by name, but every person that's up here praying is calling theirs out. And you know that, and you're hearing them. And just like the Canaanite woman, God, as we're bowing down in a, a spirit of humility, God, I believe you're saying to individuals right now, great faith, great faith. The makings, you have the makings of great faith. It may not make sense, but you have the makings. You have the start of great faith. God, do great, exceeding miracles. God, be with our marriages, be with our children, be with our our, our ministry here at Journey, be with our our businesses, be with what we do outside these. God, everything, God, that we would demonstrate great faith, that we would be audacious and we would be relentless and we would be shameless, God, that we we, we couldn't wait for the next moment to see you work in our lives. God, do that in us. And I pray this in the only source of strength, my Savior, Jesus Christ's name. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're going to dismiss right from here, but just before you walk out, I believe God's about to do something in our church. I I, I believe there's something that I'm sensing deep down inside of my spirit that if we keep humbling ourselves, God's going to perform and do exactly what he said he's told us he's going to do over the last 18 years. And the visions that we've had and the desires and the dreams that we have, God is going to continue to open up the doors. And so I'm going to encourage you, not just Sundays, but during the course of the week, be praying for that personal revival. Be praying for our church, our faith community. Be praying for the pastor. Be praying for our staff. And be a part of February 4th. I feel like that's a pivotal moment in our church where God is going to launch us into something that we've never seen before. Amen? Amen. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do next week here at Journey. So I'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.